So, are we good? I feel kind of stertorous. Stertorous? What does that mean? <laughs> it, it means uh, labored breathing. Okay, let's uh, fortify ourselves and then we can begin. Here's to a new year of the Bowie Book Club. Whoa, yeah, new year. Cool. Wow. I, I didn't even think of that. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a whole different world. Because even though we didn't record in January, that's when everything happened. Like, David Bowie died. Yeah. We yep. talked about doing this. We and decided to do this. And we got going in, in March, yeah. I think. Because we read in February, we set up the plan, and then we started actually recording in March. So we're like two months ahead of schedule. Woo! Do you want to, I don't know, you want to just get pizza or something? Yes. We can, yeah. we can do this later. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. Okay. <laughs> well, what, what did we actually read this time? This. Wait, or is this official now? The, the podcast? Yeah, I mean, we're like online. No, I, I mean, are we, we're actually recording now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Then, then um, let's do the, the, the official intro. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, yeah, um, that's the thing that we do uh, because we've done it for a year where, now. Where are almost. my notes? Okay. Um, what was what, my name, right? Yeah. You said, Hi. My name is Greg. And my name is Christiane. And this is the Bowie Book Club. <laughs> Wait, this is backwards. Is it? Yeah, we, we do it the other way. Do we? Yeah, yeah. How does it start? My name's Christiane. And my name's Greg. And this is the Bowie Book Club. <laughs> We've had a book club for like a decade? Yeah, 11 years now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, we read a lot of books, and yep. sometimes we talked about them. Mostly avoided talking about them we as much gossiped. as we could. Yeah. yeah, drunkenly gossiped. So then at the sad loss of David Bowie last year... We yep. decided to get our act together and read through David Bowie's list of 100 most influential books in no sensible order. In, in a completely nonsensical order. And uh, if you stick around, you'll figure out um, this year is no different. <laughs> and so along the way, we make wild speculation about what the books meant to Bowie. We do, we do indeed, and nothing is going to change this time around. Wilder and wilder. Yeah, I think it's just going to get worse. <laughs> Um, so what what tome did we uh, feast our intellects upon this time? Doesn't tome have to be like really heavy and big? Because this was actually a slender book. It was, yeah, it wasn't very svelte at all. Yeah. It was, it was uh, so we read As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner. Oh, well, it's dense in uh, lug, uh, luxurious language. It is at if that. If not in page count. <laughs> Um, this was actually, and I confessed this earlier, perhaps my favorite book of our uh, year. Yeah, yeah. This this was a um, this was a barn burner. It was a, a thigh Whoa. rubber, as they say. Spoiler alert! <laughs> oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> barn burner. <laughs> uh, no, no barns were harmed in the making of this book, movie, or metal band. There was a barn burned in the book, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. There was a barn burned in the book. <laughs> I, I don't know about the metal band or James Franco who made a movie based on this book. Footnote. There's a metal band named As I Lay Dying. 
That's all. I learned that by Googling. Yeah. Google <laughs> teaches us everything. Also taught, taught me that James Franco tried to make a movie about this, which seems crazy. When you say tried, like it was actually accomplished, like the movie was accomplished, right? Yeah, like the movie actually came out, but I, I just don't... I've understand. never heard of it, so, I mean, that can't be saying much. Well, if you haven't heard of it, it doesn't exist, <laughs> Mrs. Solipsism. <laughs> but I can't, I can't see how you can make a movie of this book because it's got so many... It's, what, like 15 narrators? Wait, hold on. Let's count them, okay? Because that's part of the um, the description of what this book is about yeah so the book is a story about someone dying spoiler yeah. not uh, really because it's the title um so there's cash the eldest son yep does daryl come next daryl yep, yep. daryl you say daryl i say daryl look i'm from new york okay we don't have time for all these syllables daryl um jewel jewel yep Next son. Uh, Dewey Dell. Dewey Dell. Woman, Dewey uh, Decimal the, System. The only female in the family other than the mom. Besides the mother who, who's the, the corpse in question. And then... Vardaman? Uh, v- like cardamom. Like, Vardaman like cardamom. And then the dad. Uh, I keep I keep forgetting his name. It's... Uh, I want to say ads, but it's not... <laughs> <laughs> well, I know also there's the neighbors, Cora, yeah. and her husband also talk. I think the doctor talks at one point too, but he yeah. only has like one time and that he speaks. Spoiler alert, the preacher has an affair with the mother. Uh, he gets a chapter two. Um, he ends up uh, covered in mud, I think. Yeah, so some of the people, Toll, that's right, Toll is Cora's husband. Um, so some people get like one chapter, but mostly it's... The, the family members get more. It's the father, yeah. aunts. Yep. Uh, and then the, all, the children. And one chapter goes to the corpse in question, the mother, Addie. Which is... Um, which I, I think that, that that's a chapter... They, they all speak in their own voices, except for Darl, who I think gets more of the author's voice and his language is much more highfalutin than the rest of the characters. Um, so he, he does use like the, the 50 cent words like sturdorous, 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 sturdorous. What are you saying, Greg? He, uses, he says, the cow breathes upon my hips and back, her breath warm, sweet, sturdorous, moaning. And, then, and that's not the only time. He says it again, like later on. And he also uses the phrase mammalian ludicrosities. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about while everyone else in this book is really captured in sort of like poor white southern language. Yeah, we, we should have said that this is a setting is as country as country gets. In I mean, the book was written in 1930. I, I don't know if we ever actually know when the setting is. I assume it's that same yeah, in, time. In, in, the, in the county in Mississippi that Faulkner has you know based all his stories in. Yeah. And so this one character, Daryl, Daryl, <laughs> who, who we kind of see as like the, the lunatic, mystic, um, 
and and so he's the only one who's given the ability to have these large words. Like there, there was part that I marked also, probably because of the words he used. Um, how do our lives ravel out into the no wind, no sound, the weary gestures, wearily recapitulant echoes of old compulsions with no hand on no strings. In sunset, we fall into furious attitudes, dead gestures of dolls. Cash broke his leg. And now the sawdust is running out. He's bleeding to death, is Cash. Spoiler alert, Cash breaks his leg. And then they try to set it with... By pouring concrete over it. God, what is going on? Um, so <laughs> so maybe, maybe to get back to the, the plot, um, the, the story uh, is basically about them trying to... Transport a dead body. To transport a dead body. To Ooh. where it's supposed to be buried. I could go to IMDb and and use the oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> use the keywords that they mentioned there no. for James Franco's hit movie, um, <laughs> which I've never heard of. Yeah, so it doesn't exist. But apparently, these are the plot keywords for this non-existent movie: broken leg, unplanned pregnancy, horse and wagon, transporting a dead body, death of mother. Um, yeah. <laughs> that sums it that, up. That's pretty much it. Yeah. But they doesn't talk about fording a river, which was really my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. So they they um basically the they the woman dies. The the, one the, of the sun creates an immense coffin that yeah, takes forever coffin. in a torrential downpour. Yeah. Like it, everything is just so dark and, and like dramatic. struggle intensive. Yeah. Um and then the father insists ants insists that she wanted to be buried where her where kin are from. Are from yeah. And so they have to go to the city to bury her. Which is a huge thing for them because like they... There's a farm just, family. They just got a road and like they can't... They have to like winch things down to the road from where they are. And the torrential downpour, which Cash built that coffin throughout, washed out all the bridges. So they got to figure out how to get like how to ford the river to get to... Um, to get to the town. With a rotting body. This is like Mississippi. It's hot. The body is rotting in a coffin and everyone's like, please keep downwind. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, they stop at several farms. The, 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 the be, being good Christian neighbors, the, they say, come on in for supper. Uh. And they say, no, we're going to, we'll stay out in the barn. We don't want to be beholden to every, anybody. So they sleep on top of the coffin with the... The rotting body inside. It was super infuriating, like the the intensity of like the independence and pride and, and the stubbornness, poverty, like, and just like we we can't look weak, we can't take handouts, we can't we have. And, and uh, yeah, and I think that was the one common thread among all the narrators is that none of them wanted to admit to any fault, I guess, or any weakness. any sort of weakness or any need for anyone else, even though there was like neighborliness in, to some extent, like... Like friendly nodding. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and there were also like... Howdy. With, within the family, there, there was a scene um, later on when uh, when they're trying to ford the river and the, the wagon tips over and 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 the brothers like dive back into the river after they've, you know, kind of rescued what they needed to, to try to find the older brothers cash, his carpentry tools. Right. So they, you know, they, they risk their lives to, to, because yeah. he, they know how much he loves those tools. The brothers have 
fondness and kind gestures towards each other, but those seem like the only yeah. gestures that are actually given and accepted. Right. They're, they're, um, in the chapter that the the mother, the, the corpse in question, I wish there's a better way to refer to her, <laughs> but I keep coming back to that. In, in her chapter, like there's no, she has no love for any of her children or any, like, or for her husband or for the, the spoiler alert, the, 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 the other character she has an affair with. Um, she just seems to be obsessed with like the forces that are kind of acting on her. Yeah. No one's particularly likable, but everyone is really interesting. Very inter- uh, entertaining, I, I guess, <laughs> as a coastal elite. Uh, but yeah, Addie, the the mother, who seems to be like the driving force behind everyone. I mean, they're all trying to transport her body to its burial ground. So there's some power she holds over them, either obligatory or fondness. Who knows what it is? But her, in the second paragraph of her single chapter, she says, I could just remember how my father used to say that the reason for living was to get ready to stay dead a long time. (laughs) True words were never spoken. (laughs) That's... (laughs) That's a, that's a fine how do you do. Yeah. That's got the sting of the 48 What a way blend. to think about why you're living your life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when you're in those circumstances, I mean, maybe that that is like, it's hard to think beyond that. I, yeah. I'm not sure well, how, like, how, re- how literally we're supposed to take that. Or, or, I don't know. I think Faulkner has always been so great at just giving this beautiful portrait of a really tough group of people. And and part of that is this this pride and this poverty, this and these people living at this turning point, going into modernity. And trying to elevate it to like this is Shakespearean stuff. And maybe yeah. you may see these people as And all low. the tragedy and humor of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and this book has you know, tragedy and, and and comedy in equal measure and it ends on like like a complete vaudevillian punchline which i I won't reveal but it does seem like he was like i imagine him like you know a little drunk like at his like night watchman job saying that'll show those fuckers (laughs) yeah there is this point where when greg and i were trying to summarize it was like well, it's like a road trip story with lots of hijinks. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> the jinks are high. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the hangover. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen next? Except there's this like darkness to be Yeah, except everything just gets worse and worse and worse until somehow it's really funny at the end, or at least Ugh. it seems like it's meant to be really funny. At yeah, the end. like you have to laugh. Otherwise, you'll just like die crying <laughs> and, and contrast it with like the scene before it where um dewey dell the dewey decimal system the the, the daughter the, the the daughter you know like what happens to her is genuinely like um genuinely awful it's terrifying it's like they're all dealing with really tragic things that they can't overcome especially because they won't accept help for anything right 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 yeah and the, yeah and the and because of that stubbornness, and maybe that's what he's trying to say, is because of that stubbornness, they get themselves in... I, I don't want to say, like, they as in, like, 
you the know, family. Yeah. The, right. The family gets themselves into the situation because of the streak of stubbornness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is, um, uh, this is actually only, I think the third Faulkner book I've ever read. Yeah. I think the, the, I read late in August when I was really, um, well, not really young when I was like 13 or 14 and I have a really good memory of reading it at my grandparents' house in Coffeyville, <laughs> Kansas. Um, and lying on a bed in this beautiful sunlit room in the heat of the summer and reading light in August. Hmm. I was like, oh, this is gorgeous. This is exactly how it's meant to be. But I probably didn't understand the book very well. So I'd like to read it again. I think I read it light in August, summer between years. I think between like maybe freshman and sophomore year of college or something. And not for, like, was, I was surprised. Like I'd never been assigned Faulkner in a class. And I st- like I got my undergrad degree in English huh. and I was never but, assigned Faulkner. I mean, I took like, I specifically took a, a class of Faulkner and Joyce. Um, oh, I heard about this class. And I got a D in it. Um, <laughs> I did very poorly on the Joyce <laughs> side of things and very, very poorly on the Faulkner <laughs> side of things. I don't remember anything about the teacher except he, uh, he was nearly blind and had a dog named Boz Skaggs, <laughs> which he mentioned like, like several times in the semester. He's like, well, it's my, my dog, Ball Skaggs. And this is becoming like my stock accent, but I think he was Southern. <laughs> um, my dog, Ball Skaggs, says... Like, oh. Your dog talks? Yeah. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but so on, uh, we read uh, Sound and the Fury. And mm. I, you know, I turned in my paper in the little blue book, as you did back oh, in yeah. the day. And uh, They don't do that anymore in blue books? No, they have blue internet. God, I just sounded like the oldest person ever. <laughs> they have blue internet. They got the Googles. They probably put up their 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 tests on YouTubes. <laughs> probably on the Tumblr cons. <laughs> and anyway, I got a D, and he he writes on the thing. You have a very serious problem. Oh, yeah. So I so I'm like. Well, shit, what? What's my problem? Am I, am I a racist? You know, like, what did I do? So I go to his office hours, and he's like, you just don't get the symbolism. Oh. I'm like, well, you, I, I guess that's okay. And he's like, yeah, it's totally okay. It's everyone's interpretation. Like, well, why'd you give me a D? <laughs> <laughs> you shit bird? You didn't listen to my dog. I should have listened to Boss Gags. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the lesson. When a talking dog tells you to do something... Don't do it unless you're the son of Sam or something. <laughs> Maybe I learned Faulkner from the son of Sam. I don't know where that's going to take you. I, probably, I, I think it's better to drop it. <laughs> let's let's move on to the next section of the of the podcast. Well, I wanted to say that I got my copy of Lighten uh, of As I Lay Dying from Books Inc. when I was down in California. Oh, nice. They had a new location that opened up in Santa Clara. And one of the booksellers that I talked to there keeps a copy of Light in August on the displays in the front of the store at all times because it's the book that he hand sells constantly because it's his favorite book. And he says he's, I I mean, I feel like he's going to single-handedly make that a bestseller again. Cool. (laughs) And, And... Man, that's great. Yeah, that's It makes me really want to reread Light in August now because I really enjoyed this book. 
And, and that's what I was thinking too. Is like, yeah, I need more Faulkner in my life in yeah. general. I feel like I need more Faulkner in my life now. I really want to get more people to read Faulkner right now. Uh, yeah, and I think I think there is something in the the, the cultural zeitgeist. If if I can be a that cultural. was a that was a really awesome tone that you just used. Actually, that is my natural voice. My cultural <laughs> zeitgeist. I'm gonna go back to my mansion and have a ham and mayonnaise sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that sweater looks awfully tight around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what episode of Futurama <laughs> got that from. <laughs> um, but there, there is something like, like a, I, I got a book from the library recently called White Trash by Nancy Eisenberg mm-hmm. that's about sort of like the cultural history of of people like Faulkner's describing. And, yeah. Poor white Americans. Yep, yep. And how how class has been used sort of against them um, and how they've been used as political sort of playthings. Um, Still. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. Pawns uh, in a game. Right. Um, and and, and that's part of the reason why this um, there's a book that came out this last year called Hillbilly Elegy by uh, J.D. Vance that became, I mean, a lot of the booksellers that I work with say this has become one of the biggest sellers in their store through the lat like the end of the last year starting in november everyone just needed to read like there was a book about um rust belt family and just again like poor white americans and how they interact with modern america and and i think like like something um and one of the reasons i want to go back to light in august and and the rest of the the books in that sort of um in that run of books that he published afterwards is that he does talk, you know, very directly about race and about how, um, and, and what that, you know, how, what those problems were in the South. And I think that's really important for everyone to, or I think it's important for me to, to understand better. Cause it's something that like, as a, as a coastal elite, like I, I don't <laughs> have the same experience of. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm totally down to to read Light in August and 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 read more Faulkner and read more books about stuff I don't know about because that's part of the thing too is that like um, there's so much more to this country than than the division that has been presented to us mm-hmm. this sort of binary thing of like you're on one side or the other like I want to know what what side I'm not on like I guess I want to know it better so I can be more empathetic towards it or more and I think there's a lot of empathy here in in um in this book in particular. Like it comes off as comic, but I think uh in, in some ways and it comes off as, as maybe almost caricature in some ways too, but like I think he has a really deep empathy for that stubbornness or for like um for their their attempts to be individuals and have agency. <sighs> As, as stubborn and, and, and difficult as it is, like, I think he really does see them as heroic or or at least, like... Really? Part of a bigger story. Oh, man, we might disagree there. I mean, uh, maybe he does, yeah. So maybe we, we agree that he sees it. I, I, I was the, the so... The stubbornness dro- drove me crazy. Drove me so yeah. crazy. Just that prideful... But that, Prideful... That's what, dismissal of assistance that comes across as arrogance. Ugh. And I think I think what he was trying to say is not that that's good, but 
But that's what makes for Grecian tragedy or Shakespearean tragedy is, yeah. is that sense of grandeur. This you know, the pride that goes before the fall. Intensity of family and what we are. and Yeah, yeah. And he, I think you want to say, like, even in these reduced circumstances, there is that grandeur of humanity. Hmm. Why did David Bowie pick this book? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> 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 and we, we we literally have spent like what like two hours yeah like, like trying to like kind of uh. well maybe well uh and maybe just because it's a good book yeah maybe just because it was like interesting to read and and, and gripping in a, a bunch of different levels and the language is beautiful and 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 i mean there's ways to look into like i mean he david bowie was really into american um, early American music and the history of Americana and and sure maybe it's connected to that like if if you're going if you're someone not from a place and you're going to a place maybe you'd like to read about the the salt of the earth of the place you'd never <laughs> have come to America based on this book no <laughs> But maybe, I mean, what do we read when we go to other places? Like, I want to read about, like, I don't... So, so if I'm going <laughs> to... read David Copperfield and Mayor Casterbridge, and I'm going to get it, and I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing that made me really an Anglophile was the Mayor of Casterbridge. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, like, you do, yeah, you do read the, the literature, and I think this is, like, steeped in... in you know, American Southern culture, the culture, Pathos. Of the, yeah, the culture of the blues and, and um, the culture of country music. And, and yeah, maybe you saw that as like, as, as having that sort of drama. Or maybe it was just a ripping good yarn. Yep. Uh, with uh, dead bodies, <laughs> adultery, uh, fish mothers, broken legs, broken legs. Yep. Um, Lots of insanity. Lots of insanity all over the place. Just and, uh, infuriating people. And false teeth. Oh. Hmm. Uh, let's leave it at that. <laughs> I believe we have some business to take care of, some New Year's business. Oh, right. <laughs> let's move on swiftly to that. Um, before we talk about the song that we picked. Yeah. Um, which is what we end with. Uh, we picked our next year's books. And we, we picked them in the way that we picked them. <laughs> that, that, we, that we always do, which is now a tradition because we've done it twice. That makes it a tradition. So last year we did the same thing. We sat in a bar talking and then we found numbers around us and we let those numbers choose for us the books upon the hundred numbered list of David Bowie's most influential books. So this time... Uh, we went to the bookstore bar at the Alexis Hotel. and in downtown Seattle. Downtown Seattle. And we chose some numbers. And uh, the first number was the $32 pork chop and applesauce. So number 32 uh, netted us Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov. Mm -hmm. And then um, we picked up a book on the shelf. So at the bookstore bar, there's a lot of books on the shelf. And the book was called Alcoholism. <laughs> and uh, we picked up a book and opened to a random page, which happened to be oddly uh, 33. 
which uh, brought us to Herzog by Saul Bellow. I think there's a fair amount of drinking and, and adultery <laughs> in that. <laughs> and then we asked our waiter, Madeline, uh, what number would she choose if she had a choice between one and a hundred? And she chose 88. And, and that got us, uh, I'm, I'm going to mangle this as is my want. Uh, Maldoror by Comte de Lautrum <laughs> Sturtort. <laughs> Christian, can you help me out here? Maldoror by Comte de Lautremont, I think. It's a, a poem, so, mm-hmm. so I've been told. And yeah. It's just in time for uh, yeah, yeah. National Poetry Month. Month. Yeah. Then Greg counted the bubbles that were in his beer which turned out to be eight bubbles. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of beer left. In it. <laughs> um, which I, I think a, a book I'm very excited to, to read, um, The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow by Juno Diaz. Um, very excited for that. Then we numbered the books on the shelves. We counted all the books on the shelves. Yeah, which was, was complicated. And we used the new math to come up with the number seven. Out of uh, there was eighty nine yeah. books on one shelf and sixty one so, on another. Yeah. So um, based <laughs> on my calculus, um, <laughs> which I just invented on on the spot, um, that was seven. There was seven. So, <laughs> City of Night is the book by John Retty. And then um, Greg checked his phone, and there was eighty five percent battery remaining. So eighty five gave that's us a lot for me. Um, so the selected poems of Frank O'Hara, which was. A mainstay uh, of me getting out from my li- uh, from my public library and then being really embarrassed about because I had a naked guy on the cover. <laughs> cover it up! Cover it up! Yeah, I actually did put a like a one of those paperback book covers on it. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at it. No, oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, then Greg, uh, so the reason why he saw that there was 85% battery remaining is that he used a random number generator on his cell phone, and the random number generator gave us number 66. Which is the uh, bridge by Hart Crane, great American poet of the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. I think a uh, poet of, of uh, New York poet. I think he jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge. Really? If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Which sucks because the book we're reading is called The Bridge. Oh, no. Okay, I may be conflating things. <laughs> um, tune in later this year to, to, to get the actual facts or alternative facts about Yeah, <laughs> we are the podcast of alternative facts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't want to be associated with that term, but I think it is true. Um, so then also on the shelves of books are um, old boxes, uh, old whiskey boxes. So how do you say Balvany? Balvany? Bal, oh, it's Scottish, so it probably is like <laughs> Balkan <laughs> or something. I, I, I want to apologize to my Scottish friends. Yeah. Norm, <laughs> Bal- I hope you're not listening. So I think... Uh yeah. So there's a whiskey box and it was <laughs> and it was aged 21 years so and we, 21 we, gave us uh The Origin of Consciousness and the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind by Julian Jaynes and uh I I don't want to you know to to toot my own horn here but I'm I've actually wanted to read this book for a long time. It sounds like a really interesting mm-hmm. premise about how uh religion was based on the fact that our uh, one side of our brain couldn't talk to the other directly, so it appeared that voices, uh, uh, w- that communication became voices in your head. Mm. 
Tell us why we talk to ourselves. That could be too. I do it a lot. Shh. Anyway, that's coming up too. <laughs> and that whiskey was a uh, company was established in 1891, which added together equals 19. In in, in the new math, um, which is the book Passing by Nella Larson. And then um, we also opened another book called The Agrarian Unrest in Southeast Asia. And on page 74, inserted into the book was a bibliography that someone had used in the 50s of other books about Southeast Asia. Um, and so on page 74, we decided 74 was? But Before the Deluge by Otto Friedrich. Which apparently is about um, Eastern uh, Germany. Oh, okay, was, cool. Yeah. Um, and then the number of people that were in the bookstore bar, including the waiters, was 14. Uh, which netted us uh, Inside the Wheel and other essays by George Orwell. And finally, Very satisfying. there was a game playing on the television. And at the time, uh, Wisconsin was at 59 and Indiana was 57. It was a basketball game. So the average of that score gave us... Octobriana and the Russian Underground. Which we read last we year. We read last year. And so, we have to pick a new book. So because of that, we, we need to take a, a collection of three titles as options that will be voted upon so that we can fill this spot that is now... A hole Vacant. in our schedule. <laughs> so basically we're lazy, so we want you guys to help us pick the book. Yeah. And we'll give you three options. So the three options also picked just as randomly as the rest of them were picked. Uh, the Fire Next Time uh, by James Baldwin. And this is partly picked because um, a Goodreads group that's on um, the website Goodreads, the Bowie Book Club also there, they're going to be reading The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. Uh, another pick was The People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn for obvious reasons. Yeah. And so then... Good book to read right now. Um, the pick kind of... Uh, because I w lost the arm wrestle with Greg was uh, Transcendental Magic. It's Doctrine and Ritual by Elpheus Levi. I actually I cheated so I could lose because I'm really interested in that. <laughs> After reading The Outsider and hearing about Colin Wilson, like I'm so into <laughs> magic and ritual. <laughs> so yeah, that I think um, so. We need your help, so we'll post on the Facebook page. It'll be uh, um, a traumatic memory from school. Multiple yep. choice: A, B, or C. I, I think we can have D, which would be all of the above. No, no, uh, we can't. Okay, do. We, we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to pick one: A, B, or C. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's upcoming. Yep. Um, new year. Yeah. New year. Lots of new books to read. Um, hopefully some guests coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, and we want your feedback. Mm -hmm. We want you to rate us on the iTunes. Tell us what you think. Please rate us on the iTunes. We want you to read along with us. Oh yeah. So, uh, what book is coming up next? Do we know? Lolita. Lolita by Vladimir 
And they have a call. I already have some reservations. It's true. Um, <laughs> one of those is that a terrible song by the police that I used to think was great when I was 13. That's not my reservation. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> That'll be my reservation. I'll post the video in the show notes because I'm gone on a police <laughs> kick again and I'm starting to listen to them again. Roxy. Not that song, thank- thankfully. <laughs> they were good, right? So anyway, <laughs> I guess that's my own personal, <laughs> my own personal struggle. Um, do find us on the Facebook at the Bowie Book Club podcast. Yep, and the Twitters at Bowie Book Club Pod. And uh, and again, if if you can find us on iTunes, uh, rate us. Tell your friends. Um, tell your friends' friends. Tell people you don't like. Um, Tell people you do like but barely know but really want to get to know. Yeah. Wink, wink. Hey. (laughs) And Valentine's Day is coming up. (laughs) The the best way to tell you. Let's read Lolita together. (laughs) Okay, that just sounds creepy, Christian. Yeah, it does. I know. (laughs) So so for the month of love, we'll be be doing the creepiest book ever. Thanks, random number generator. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What was no, that, that was the pork chop. Thanks, pork chop, <laughs> which is what I call my random number generator because I'm creepier than any person alive. <laughs> what what book did, or what song did we choose? For oh, right, 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 right. Well, it's you have of, to tell why we chose this song. This is kind of a gimme um, in, in that the, the song was stuck in my head the whole time I was in New York, which encompasses Bowie's birth and death dates. Um, so th- yeah, while I was watching the man who fell to earth with s- that was soundtracked by all of Bowie's music, um, compliments of Naked City Brewery here in Seattle. Oh man, good stuff. Um, I was stuck in my childhood bedroom at home in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, shout outs to to PKNY Queen City on the Hudson. Um, I was I was stuck there listening to Bowie as usual. And uh, reading as I lay dying, and the song that was stuck in my head was Black Country Rock. I the just whole couldn't. Time. Get, yeah, from uh, uh, Man Who Sold the World. Um, kind of a throwaway song. It, it sounded like they just threw some riffs together and tried to imitate Mark Boland. Yeah, that was, was funny. They're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's like, I, I think we're gonna just, be rock stars too. Yeah, uh, good. You get it. We get one too. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like a road trippy song, and yeah, this is a super a, road trip book. <laughs> It's, yeah. Take a dead body <laughs> down the road. It's a weekend at Bernie's kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're bouncing along in your wagon, and this is a good song to kind of bounce along to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that song we chose. It's playing underneath us as we right now dr- as, as we drift off into a new year <laughs> of many more books and hopefully many more conversations with you and conversations with ourselves because of our bicameral minds, where apparently we think God is talking to us. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. We we will sometime later this year. I <laughs> predict it. <laughs> uh, until then, I've been Christy Young. And I've been Greg. And this is the Bowie Book Club. See you next month. Woo! Uh, <laughs> Did we get it all? Up and rest stop here on Black Country Road. You never know, you might find it here. Black-
Oh, the the song. <laughs> what? <laughs> ten things you never knew about Bowie. Okay, can you read the ten things and that'll go under? That'll go after the credit. <laughs> well, with the song on. So it's the uh, how? Uh, why does this connect? Like, why did this? Why did Google give me this page? Ten things you never knew about David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Little Richard was his role model. He, whoo, whoo, he's talking. Should I leave that on? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Shit. I didn't know he was going to talk. I, I just want to hear the thing where John Lennon made him eat a cake made okay. of urine. Let me, let me start over. Take two. <laughs> okay. Ten things. You never knew about David Bowie. Oh, stop. <laughs> Shit. Little Richard was his role model. He says John Lennon forced him to eat an egg cooked in urine. He was afraid of flying. He bought a pig fetus for Rolling Stone journalist David Wilde. Susan Sarandon says he had an affair with him. Oh, she had an affair with him. <laughs> he published a list of his hundred favorite books. Yeah. Knew that. I know that. <laughs> no new information there. Godspeed, you Black Emperor, and Arcade Fire were two of his favorite bands. As they should be. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's make some pizza. Okay, let's do it. <laughs>